Welcome to episode 32 of Behaviorally Speaking, a podcast featuring board-certified behavior analysts Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi. On this episode, they'll talk about emotional intelligence for kids and how to strengthen those important skills. And now, here are your hosts, Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi. Hello and welcome to our 32nd episode of Behaviorally Speaking. I'm one of your hosts, Angela Nelson, a board-certified behavior analyst and mother of two. And I'm Kristen Bondi, also a board-certified behavior analyst and mother of three. As I was saying that, Angie, my cat jumped on me, so <laughs> I'm sure we might hear some pterodactyl screaming. We haven't talked about that in a while. Pterodactyl cat coming back. Pterodactyl meowing. Coming back into the... Going back into the podcast. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Well, it was yes. so good to see you this week. I think, I, I don't know if listeners realize, we do live on opposite coasts of our country. So mm-hmm. we rarely get to see each other in person. And it was so nice to hang I know. out. Yes, it was so good. And it's funny because we we like virtually see each other every day. So then when we see each other in real life, it's like, I feel like I see you all the time, but yeah. I don't. So <laughs> I it was very cool. I love it's cool it. cool to just pick up where we where we left off like Mm -hmm. the day before (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah exactly yes awesome well i'm excited about this topic i this is one of my favorites um and i'm excited to dive into it today with you um so today we're going to talk about emotional intelligence which we all kind of have heard about in the workplace as adults but we're going to dive in a little bit more deeply as it relates to kids and Mm -hmm. you know a lot of times when we think about emotional intelligence, kind of the, the kid version, if you will, it's kind of, I guess, the, the loose translation would be more of the social emotional learning aspects and what a lot of schools are really ramping up these days, um, mm-hmm. which is exciting. So we're going to dive into that today. Yeah. yeah. So so let's kind of get into it. Let's, let's define, you know, kind of dive into some definitions, if you will. So emotional intelligence. What is that? Definitely have heard about it. There's been a lot of articles written about it. It's defined as our ability to understand and manage our emotions and then also to be able to recognize and influence the uh, emotions of people that are around you. And so this came out in not so long ago, really. It was coined in 1990 by uh, researchers John Mayer and Peter Solovey, I guess. I yeah, hope I'm saying that right. Solovey, maybe. Yeah. Um, But then more people have probably heard about it from Mm -hmm. Daniel Goleman. That's the psychologist that kind of popularized this term. And this is really at the core of social and communication skills. Um, Something else that's important to note, too, and is kind of neat to understand is that emotional intelligence actually can be improved over time. And the way that it's improved is through the process of Dun, 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 dun. social <laughs> and emotional learning, which is what we're going to focus on yeah. today. So, uh, just I want to mention one other important thing, too, in terms of why we're talking about this. So NB, uh, NBC News uh, State of Parenting poll that was done a little while back showed us some interesting research. So that research tells us that um, people that have higher emotional intelligence actually have better attention skills, fewer learning problems, and more success in academics and workplace settings. Um, And so in that poll, 54% of parents report um, having strong or report that strong social and communication skills are actually the most important skills for their child's future success. And that's even beyond uh, things like great, good grades and technology kind of savviness and so on. So Definitely parents are are thinking that this is a big area to focus on and hence why we're going to dive into it today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned, I was actually looking up earlier and I know that this is a big component of schools now in the curriculum and I hear about this it a lot right. from parents and they're saying, oh, my kids are learning that in school. That's so great. But I was also looking it up too and to kind of go along with what you were just saying, but one of the big um what was well, something that's so helpful about having social and emotional curriculum in school is actually decreasing like dropout rates in high school. And that was just yeah, something that I was looking up, but I didn't know that you even were going to mention that the research on that poll. And I was like, oh, well, that 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 goes in line with what I was looking up too. So yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about 
what is social and emotional learning, right? So what are the the competencies, just so we can okay. all understand those. And so as Angie mentioned before, it's important to understand that, well, we really can develop these skills and we can teach them to our kids. So just to kind of level set, the, the five competencies are social awareness and self-awareness. And then we have responsible decision-making, relationship building, and then, of course, behavior management. And so we're going to break these down today so that everybody can, so you can get a good understanding of what are they, what does it mean, and then, of course, how we can teach those, right? And one way that we're going to do that today is we're going to break it by age group, which I think will be really helpful. Definitely. Yeah. Well, let's start with the first one. So self-awareness. So what does this mean? So really, it's the ability to accurately recognize your own emotions, your thoughts and your values and and how they influence behavior. And it's also the ability to accurately assess one's strengths and then also your limitations. So it's uh, using a sense of confidence, optimism, and then growth mindset. And we did a podcast episode on growth mindset. (laughs) But to to refresh your memory uh, for those listeners, it, it really just means that through the effort and good teaching, our talents and skills, they can improve over time. So it's it's the opposite of having that fixed mindset. Yeah. So self-awareness, super important. Um, and I, I, lo- I love that we're starting with this one because I do feel like maybe it sets a little bit of a baseline here for everything else. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So to get started, to start with our little ones. So for this one, we'll start talking a little bit about preschool. So the preschool age, maybe that two to five, maybe one to five. Um, So some ways that you can work on building self-awareness for your kids or really teaching the skill of self-awareness is taking some time to identify or talk about feelings each day. So this is actually usually where I start with parents too, where I say, let's just start talking about feelings. Let's normalize them. Let's give words to those feelings. Mm -hmm. And so I think with little ones, it's important you can say, you could talk about your own feelings, right? So like, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling happy. But you could also point out their feelings. So you look like you're sad. What's going on, right? So that's mm-hmm. sad. And then also pointing out in like characters in books or if you happen to be watching a show or uh, a family member. So really wherever you can infuse discussing feelings into the day could be so helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, and a couple other things you can do for our little preschoolers um, you could teach new words for feelings. I think that this is something I do a lot with my kids. So it's not just about being happy and sad, right? Those, of course, yes, those are emotions. But sometimes it's it's helpful to teach excited or disappointed. So mm-hmm. disappointed is one I use a lot with my kids because they might get frustrated or dis- disappointed that something didn't go the way that they want it to. And then it comes out in all different ways, right? So okay. I can get to the crux of it and say, I think you're disappointed, you know, and then we can talk about that a little bit. So really important to teach them some other language as well. Yeah. 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 And then finally, teaching that feelings are important and I- acknowledging that they exist, right? So um, we said this on a, on a previous podcast. We had a guest, I remember we said, I think he said, you have to name it to tame it, right? So yeah, yeah. Oh, that's uh, right. remember Darren. Yeah, yeah. Darren. So yeah, so it's, it's helpful for our preschoolers to help them recognize that emotions exist and they're okay. And so the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it and the more it just becomes part of their day-to-day. Yeah. Yep. And then one more here for our little ones. Similar to that, I think it's okay also to, or it's it's important to teach that asking for help is okay. This is one that I get a lot where sometimes kids at this age, they just want to do it all by themselves, right? But they might not have the ability to do it. And right. so then we see frustration. And and so it's, it's sometimes it's okay to say, you can't be perfect right away. It's okay to ask for help. And so I really think we have to start young with teaching that skill. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's a great one. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving on down to our elementary age, so kind of like five to 12-year-olds or so, still on that same initial topic of mm-hmm. self-awareness. Uh, what are we doing to support uh, this age group? So one of the first things you can do is use as many different words as you can to describe how you're feeling, kind of um, picking up with what you are saying, Kristen. So mm-hmm. this right. is the next phase. So you're moving into, I'm feeling glad or grateful instead of just happy. And uh-huh. starting to kind of explain some rationales for those feelings as well, kind of the the because. Uh-huh. Um, 
Again, you can use books and TV to point out maybe more complex emotions. So you're saying things like, ah, you know, that character, that character reminds me of you when you were feeling jealous the other day when your your friend got that new video game, you really wanted it, right? So you're starting to draw some connections and they're starting to see those complex emotions play out on, you know, on the screen, for example. Um, one that I really like too is suggesting that your child keep a journal. So mm, they're definitely, yeah. this is a good age group to introduce a journal. Maybe even if they're not strong verbally with describing their emotions, um, maybe taking to writing might be a good mm-hmm. thing. And sometimes parents, I've even seen this where parents will have a journal and they'll go back and forth and journal with each other. Um, Maybe the child doesn't really want to talk about it, but they're willing to write about it to you. Um, Uh So that's just another way that you can use a journal is not just for yourself, but you can also journal, you know, perhaps back and forth with your parent, which is cool. And then lastly, helping them recognize their own strengths. So that really ties in deeply into that self-awareness, knowing about yourself, knowing about um, your strengths or where you might need support. It helps them, um, you know, to kind of foster those strengths. And um, you can do that by helping them find maybe various related activities to do that. And then it also is linked to some good um, self-confidence boosters as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of rounds out our elementary age folks. Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of the journal. And I see Sometimes I'll look up journals for parents just to send them some links. And there's so many different like parent, yeah. to, uh, parent-child journals out there. And I think I think that's really helpful, especially, and this is kind of a nice segue into teens, because we know that once kids get to teens, like not all, but most are less likely to really want to communicate with you. So yeah, and you can start that when they're in elementary school and really foster that bond and that open communication that, you know, it can be so helpful. So definitely, yeah, definitely check out journaling. Don't underestimate the power of journals yeah. <laughs> between your kids. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So yeah, moving through to our teens, I, I already mentioned it, but I do think that as many of you know, those that have teens know that once we get into teens, it's a little bit harder to coach them on these things because it just kind of comes with the territory where they think, I got it. You know, I've got this all figured out by now. But there are certainly some things that we can still do when our kids are approaching that teenage years, maybe 13, 18 and beyond. So first and foremost, talking about emotions and then asking open-ended questions. It's important to remember that, well, again, you know, they may not always respond or or give you that answer that you're looking for, but I think it's important to keep doing it. So keep showing that you have that open line of communication. The door is always open and you as the parent, you're there when they're ready to come around and talk to you about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Another one that might be more appropriate for teens and and pretty crucial for a lot of skills, but talking about your own emotions. So really modeling that behavior for them. So you might say something like, I'm really stressed out because I have to give this presentation and maybe you haven't prepared or or it's in front of a lot of people. But I think it's really helpful to talk about how you're feeling when certain things happen to you yeah. throughout the day. Yeah, like normalize it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And then I think uh, the other side here, be cautious about telling your child how they feel, right? So sometimes as parents, we we feel like we know, I know best, right? Like I know exactly what's going through your head right now. Actually, I ran into a situation very similar on a parent call and the the parent had said to me like, oh, I really, and it was a teenager saying, I think that they were really nervous about, it was something in particular. I think that they were really nervous about taking a test, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turned out that, that they once they uncovered it, the child wasn't, or the teen wasn't nervous at all. It was like something else was going on. It was like a social interaction. It had nothing to do with the test. <laughs> so oh, I, feel no. like, <laughs> I feel like it's important to, you know, make sure that you are, um, you know, asking those open-ended questions to get information. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last one here for teens, I think this one's super important, talking about the future, right? So similar to what you were saying about with our middle schoolers, like building confidence, talking about their strengths. I think for teenagers, it's really helpful too to just say like, where do we want to go from here, right? So like, where are your goals? What are your strengths? What might be some challenges to to reaching those goals? And I think that that's going to be really helpful to develop those skills later on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one to to end up on. Right so let's actually let's dive into our next one here. We're moving right along. So we've done self awareness. We're going into now self management, and so that's our ability to 
regulate our emotions and our thoughts and our behaviors that pop up in different situations. And it's mm-hmm. also about being able to effectively manage our stress, um, controlling our impulses and motivating ourselves. And then lastly, it's about setting and working towards personal and academic goals. So that's a lot. <laughs> um, and there are definitely yeah. parallels to this one too. That book that we always reference, which is mm-hmm. Smart But Scattered, our favorite book about executive functioning. So it's a good one um, to, to check out if you haven't. So let's keep diving through. We're going to go right into our preschoolers. So again, the age, kind of the toddler age up until about five years old. So the first one is a teaching acceptable behavior and doing so clearly. So given clear direction. So something like, you know, please pick up all the Legos and put them in the clear bin as opposed to, you know, clean up. Why is it so messy in here all the time? So, oh, just, oh, I hear myself you know, saying that. Sometimes. I know. Me too. Yes. <laughs> um, and then also going to the next one, creating clear routines and maybe even using visuals. So you could use a chart or a dry erase board, maybe plot out the schedule, mm-hmm. have the kids get involved. Maybe they make choices on what they want to do and so on. So yeah, creating those routines is definitely a good way to kind of manage yourself and your time. One thing that I like too for the little ones, teaching blowing bubbles as a way to calm down. So it's, it? you know, teaching just deep breaths might be a little bit abstract for, for kids, but if you're kind of teaching them to blow these bubbles, either fake bubbles or even real bubbles kind of helps them exercise that that concept of taking a deep breath, blowing it out, kind of calming your body down. And then modeling self-management ourselves. This is a big <laughs> theme <laughs> that's woven into a lot of our podcasts. So this is probably nothing new for our regular users, but um, maybe for, here's an example, right? So you're on, on hold with maybe uh, the utilities company or something and you you know, your power's out, something like that. Um, you could say, gosh, I'm feeling really frustrated. I've been on hold for 30 minutes. I really wish I could be doing something else and take some deep breaths, especially at that age. They're watching us like a hawk. Mm-hmm. They are modeling what they're seeing. Yes. So it's a really good way to be mindful of um, your t- your behavior in those um, times of stress. Um, one thing that I think is really a great idea is creating a calming area. And so this is different than, you know, a timeout zone per se. It's maybe a place where it's quiet, it's soft. There's things that your child likes to do to calm, them some st- calm themselves down, like mm-hmm. a clear jar or kinetic sand. And it's a good time to maybe encourage them to go there when they start to get, you can see those precursors. Maybe you go there yourself sometimes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or just, yes. again, to model. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, creating a nice, nice place. It's just a good life lesson too, right? Take yourself out of the situation if you're starting to get antsy or frustrated or, you know, so that way you don't um, get so upset and and maybe yell and regret it later. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, yeah. And then lastly, limiting screen time. And so we don't necessarily mean just in the, the greater sense, like reduce the screen time. We're talking about there's value in not rushing to give screens anytime your child escalates in a restaurant or something. You know, there's value mm-hmm. in learning how to manage emotions, how to manage when you're bored even, or just- Right, you know, you, yeah. Yeah, it's um, just this concept of seeing how you can teach their ki- your kids to to manage and, and not immediately just run to the screen time to placate them and, okay, okay, fine, here, give you give you the screen time. So it's definitely something uh, for folks. It's easier said than done, but it's, it's something that, uh, will help you later in life if you start thinking about this in the preschool years. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one is so important too, because I feel like a lot of the time we might rush to give screens because we're uncomfortable that our kids are uncomfortable. Yeah. So it's almost like telling yourself, like, I'm going to be okay <laughs> if my child right. is upset right now, right? So I yeah. feel like that's, that's definitely part of it, especially with the little ones, because those tantrums can be, they can mm-hmm. be eye-opening <laughs> yeah. for everyone around. Um Yeah. So, okay. So moving through to our elementary age. So we already talked a little bit about this one before, but I think it's important to really model self-regulation. So just as you mentioned, for the little ones, you want to do it. But then as we move through elementary age, you definitely want to continue to actually model regulating yourself. Mm -hmm. Something Mm -hmm. different for the elementary age would be teaching stress management. So everyone can get stressed, right? Of course. 
But maybe we want to talk a little bit about things that actually stress your child out and then giving them some some ways to advocate for themselves. So for example, if they're, you know, stressed out about test taking, can they can they talk to their teacher before to get some extra okay. help or can they come to you to ask for some help uh, with their homework because that big test coming up is stressing them out or that speech they have to give is stressing them out. So really helping them understand ways to manage their stress and then advocate for themselves mm-hmm. can be so helpful. And then, of course, chores. We talk a lot about, I think we've mentioned chores quite a bit, but there's oh, a, yeah. lot of value. <laughs> a lot of value that comes from chores. But really, when you're talking about maybe managing yourself and, and really just completing things and getting them done, I think assigning chores to your kids can give them the opportunity to practice those skills. So similar to what you said before, like sometimes you have to sit in those feelings the kid does and you do. Mm-hmm. And you have to give, we can assign chores too. So then they have to um, really monitor themselves and maybe not jump over to screens. They have to finish that chore, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another one here, uh, stay observant of your child's behavior and what they're telling you. So sometimes it's helpful if you just pay attention to to those maybe nonverbal behaviors that the kids are giving you, right? So are they are they um, biting their nails or are they throwing tantrums all of a sudden? So, you know, really to in order to teach your kids how to regulate themselves and how to work through some of those things, we might have to start paying attention to some of those warning signs. Okay. So when you see them, then we can say, oh, this might be the t- a great time, like you said before, this might be a great time to go to the calming corner or the calming spot or the calming place, whatever we call it. So mm-hmm. uh, it can be really helpful for this age group just to start really paying attention to what it looks like when they get upset. Right. And they might yeah. not even realize it. Sometimes right. those feelings can kind of manifest in different ways and they come out in ways that we may not necessarily think. And so just to talk about those things and help them bring that awareness mm-hmm. um, is right. another good life lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Cruising on down to the teen land here. Um, <laughs> again, being an example of self-management, uh-huh. we know that sometimes kids can say nasty things about their parents, but I think it's important that we keep our composure and we're treating our kids with respect. Um, and, you know, that models appropriate self-management, right? So saying, you know, you your child is yelling and you being able to come back and say, you know what, I'm not going to yell. I'm, I'm going to go take a break. We can start this mm-hmm. conversation in 10 minutes when we've both calmed down, right? So it's a, that's a good model for how we want our kids to behave in teens and when they become adults, you know, in the workplace or in school and so on. Um, giving consequences or giving reminders of consequences of their actions. And so in this sense, we're not talking about consequences like you're going to use lose your cell phone, but it's mm-hmm. more like what are the ultimate results of our behavior? So, um, you know, actions and, and words really impact others, such as kind of maybe hurting the ones that that we might love, or maybe posting something without thinking about it on social media, or mm-hmm. maybe you're being a cyber bully and you don't realize it, right? So right. giving reminders, talking about consequences of our behavior. So that's really kind of at the core of, of self-management. And then talking about stress management here, um, this is, we've talked about it with the old, the younger ones too, but this is going to be maybe more concrete ideas, right? So now we can talk more directly about things like exercise and getting more sleep, making to-do lists so we can avoid worrying about forgetting things. Um, these sort of things can talk to your teens about, hey, you know, you're, you you said that you're feeling stressed out. These are some strategies that you can implement into your day or your routine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Then, yeah. And then lastly, there's something called thinking traps. So these are things like catastrophizing, like, oh my gosh, the worst is going to happen, or having this all or nothing thinking, or even mind reading behavior, like, oh, they're probably thinking this. So okay. challenge them on that. Um, ask them, you know, gosh, would you be char- would you be judging so-and-so as harshly as you think they're judging you? And maybe not, right? Um, or would they, um, you know, would, would your child be making fun of, of, someone for something that they they think they're being made fun of, um, you know, just being very self-conscious, right? So talking about that, helping them bring things into perspective and kind of challenging those thinking traps um, a little bit can help them with that self-management uh, challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that one. And it's so important that you pointed it out. And I think something similar, similar advice I give to parents is 
to, especially for teens, to say, well, what would you tell a friend in that situation, right? So let's use like managing stress, for example, and say, if your friend came to you and said, I'm so stressed out, you know, what advice might you give to a friend? You might tell your friend, hey, maybe try exercising. How How's your sleep, right? So I feel like sometimes as it's hard to get through to our teens, but if we look at it in that way and we say, well, what advice would you give to someone else? All right, now let's figure out how you can take that on and take your own advice. Um, yeah. Maybe takes them out of the equation a little bit and maybe they're more more willing to have that discussion with you. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So moving on to our third one here, talking a little bit about social awareness. And so this is it's really the ability to take the perspective of someone else and and empathize with other people and including those from different backgrounds and cultures than yours. So it's the ability to understand social and ethical norms for behavior and to recognize family, social and community resources and support. So a, a lot there. I will say I get this one a lot from families when it comes to perspective taking and empathy. So I get questions all the time about, well, how do I do this? Like, how do I foster growth in this area for my kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So starting with those little ones, uh, kind of going back to feelings a little bit, but really role play, right? So role play those feelings. And and we talked about before reading books and and maybe pointing out, well, how do you think this other person is feeling? And what 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 do you think they could do about it? Um, so really just kind of uh, walking them through it a little bit when they see it with someone else in a book or in a movie. I think that can be really helpful to kind of bring them more aware to those around them. Yeah. Yeah. Another one too, and kind of seems like a no-brainer, right? But talk about real-life social interactions. Um, so discuss certain interactions that you might have with someone else or even maybe one that they had with a friend or, or again, something that they they saw. And maybe we could talk about body language, maybe some the tone of voice or especially if you're talking about feelings, right? Like, well, what might what might have made that person feel that way? And how do you know they felt that way? Well, because their arms were crossed or they mm-hmm. were, you know, making a scowl on their face or they were crying, right? So I There's think a- it's really about just bringing for our little ones, just helping them be aware of other people, how they're feeling and, and really just bringing some of these situations to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then another one here, so... Uh, and they do, they do this one a lot in schools, I think, with different books and things like that. But um, you really want to make sure to expose your child to people who are different than themselves and and see some similarities between people that might be different, right? So when this is something we've talked about before. It can be really difficult for even some adults, right, to take another perspective and to see that, oh, that idea or that opinion, although it's not the same one I have, still a good one and there's value to that so i think it's so important to read books and and to talk to kids about diversity maybe watching shows about diversity but really helping kids our little ones see that hey everyone's different everyone has different perspectives and it does not mean that one is is better than the other or one's more valuable than the other absolutely there's actually i think never before has there ever been as much show as much uh television and Mm -hmm. movies with diversity infused and um you know it's on all the stream networks and just on tv um and so i think there's a lot more opportunity now just in media to to have good exposure to people that look Mm -hmm. differently than you yes absolutely and then one other one here too that i'll add uh practicing appreciating differences yourself right so this one I actually infused into an article I wrote about sibling, fostering sibling relationships, because this one you can do, obviously, with your little ones talking about like ways that family members are different. So one child, one of your kids might be totally different than the other, but let's talk about their differences and then maybe even how those differences can work together to come up with one goal or, you know, how they can like uh, teamwork and using their differences to really come up with something really great. So yeah. I think within the family unit and then in general, just practice appreciating the differences among within yourself and, and family members. Right. Yeah. Like how differences can be a great thing. You know, right. difference exactly. doesn't, doesn't mean bad. It can be right. amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So true. All right. So getting into our elementary age kiddos, um, truly listening, right? So if your child <laughs> is upset, show them that you're hearing them. Use those, engage those active listening skills. So okay. saying things like, 
you know, I can see where you're coming from or when, yeah, you know, when I look at it that way, that would make me upset too. So you're using mm-hmm. yeah. your body language, you're using your words to show them that you are actually listening. You're not just hearing them, but you're really thinking about what they're saying. You're you're focusing your attention on them. Um, teaching personal space, right? So you can model this. Maybe put your hands out, uh, go in their in their personal space, and kind of mimic that, or mimic how someone might feel if they're standing too close. And and so you're modeling, you're doing some role plays. Um, another one is discussing different perspectives. So this goes along with what you were saying earlier, Kristen, mm-hmm. but yeah. maybe a little bit more advanced now. We're pointing out similarities and differences, kind of understanding and appreciating different perspectives. Um, pausing when you're reading books. So this is another theme that's really been woven into this particular podcast, but books and media, using that to your advantage, asking, you know, what would you do if you were in their shoes? So you're really getting that that uh, kind of awareness of other people um, and that empathy. And then asking open-ended questions without judgment. So uh-huh. really kind of diving in and, and having discussions and hearing about what your kids, um, you know, have to say. So yeah. Those are mm-hmm. a couple tips yeah. for the elementary group. Yeah, those are all so good. <laughs> I think it's it, it's kind of like when we move into teens, I think a lot of the this stuff for teens here just kind of piggybacks off of that. And, mm-hmm. and I think another podcast, we definitely said, you know, there's various things that you could do with your elementary kids. And then as they get a little bit older, we just have to expand that, right? So you're, yeah. you're really setting the foundation when they're younger, but then as they get older, um, we have to maybe take a deeper dive into some of these things. So- mm-hmm. Definitely with our teens to to really work on social awareness, talking about social issues, right? So now kids are getting a little bit older and we can talk about things like immigration, discrimination and inequality and really discuss those different points of view and just maybe taking a deeper dive there so they can learn about conflict, conflict resolution and and respect for other opinions. So, again, just valuing what someone else has to say. It's not right or wrong. It's about understanding. (laughs) And it's not that you agree, you know, you may right, not necessarily right. agree with what they're saying, but mm-hmm. it's how do we navigate this kind of very complex social world? Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And then another one, nurturing their empathy. So really relating to what they're going through, right? So I, I think this one's one I talk with a lot of parents about because when kids get to teen teenage years, they they kind of feel like, no one understands me, right? Like I'm going through this. You as the parent don't understand me. My friends don't understand me. But sometimes it's helpful to help teens understand that, you know, the way that you're feeling right now, I bet you a couple kids in your class probably feel the same way. Yeah, like right? every kid. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, a couple kids. No, every single child. Like everyone feels, feels self-conscious <laughs> about this. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And then it can be helpful to also point out things that make you as as the parent, right? What makes you uncomfortable? Because mm-hmm. we've talked about before, make yourself relatable, especially to teens. So you might say something like, I really feel uncomfortable when I meet new people, or mm-hmm. I feel really uncomfortable giving a presentation in front of all these people, right? But um, I'm going to do it because it's part of life. But I think sometimes it's helpful to point out that this is normal. Everyone feels uncomfortable sometimes about certain yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then another one here, we, we've talked a lot about this one, and we've probably infused it into plenty of podcasts, but spending quality time. So with our teenagers, it can be really helpful to just spend the time together, right? I tell, um, I have this conversation a lot with with parents, and I think sometimes for our teenagers, we might have to pair that quality time with something they really like doing. So instead <laughs> of just saying, we're going to have a meeting every Sunday at two and talk about your friends, right? Instead, maybe we're going to say, we're going to go get our nails done every Sunday or two and talk about your friends. So it can be really helpful to to pair that with something that they enjoy doing. But this is a great way to keep that open line of communication and really discuss anything that might be going on in their social life. And you're not, ju- not judging. You're just there to support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then another one that's pretty interesting, I, I hadn't really thought about too much, but it can be helpful to set rules about social life together, right? So... As our children get older, they want to have more privileges. They want to do more things. But I think it's really important to say, okay, well, let's talk about what are those privileges going to be? What are some consequences if we don't follow through? And then similar to what you were saying before about, well, what are some consequences to 
your your social behaviors, right? So if you're late somewhere or you're you're posting something online that's inappropriate. So I think just again, kind of opening that line of communication and really having these discussions with your kids before they get into some of these situations can be so helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And the last one, which kind of goes along with this in terms of like just social interactions, having that conversation about bullying. I think sometimes parents, and I do this, right? We, we shy away from topics that we are like, no, 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 I don't want to talk about it, right? Because <laughs> then it might happen. But it's like, well, bullying is, is really important to discuss. Bring it to the surface, even if your child, if you don't think there is bullying going on. Okay. So the one in three kids record, report being bullied, um, from the National Center of Education Statistics. So it's very important. It's very prevalent. So yeah. talking with them about what does it look like? And then maybe even saying, well, have you ever been bullied? Or maybe are you bullying someone else? And maybe they didn't even realize it. So yeah. this is one where we just want to bring it up, bring it to the forefront. So we have a, a little bit of a pulse on it as kids are navigating through their teenage years. Right. Yeah, don't assume mm -hmm. that it's not happening or your child right. would never do it, you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we've got two more segments to go, so we're going to we're going to get through those. We now we're going to talk about relationship skills for a few minutes. And what is that? So mm -hmm. that's our ability to establish and maintain healthy and rewarding relationships with with everybody, right? Diverse individuals and groups. Um and um, well, yeah, I guess diverse groups, right? A, a person uh -huh. <laughs> it's not not diverse per se, but yeah, so a variety of people. Um, and then our ability to communicate clearly, listen well, cooperate with others, maybe resist inappropriate social pressure. It's also navigating and and negotiating conflict constructively and seeking and helping, uh, seeking and offering to help others when needed. So that's a lot, a lot packed yeah, into relationship yes. skills. <laughs> So for our preschoolers, uh, what do we have here for some tips? A couple of things to think about. Setting an example. So you're kind of, quote unquote, playing nicely with other uh -huh. parents yeah. <laughs> that you're interacting with. You're, you're being mindful of how you're talking to other people and being um, cooperative. Overall teaching conversation skills. Sometimes we underestimate the importance of needing to do that explicitly. Yeah, had to really break that down. Um, and sometimes kids are not as savvy on picking up those things. We do have to kind of teach those things maybe more systematically. And then teaching conflict resolution. So if there's if your child is at risk for maybe jumping in and, and you know, hitting somebody or this happens more often in, in preschool, you know, be right there. But if not, maybe you sit back a little bit, you wait and you see how your child handles it. You step in when needed. And maybe you review later at perhaps bedtime where things are calm and quiet. I sometimes I like to suggest role-playing with stuffed animals. Um, some kids don't like to dive into that or rehash something where they maybe were at fault. Um, but if you use, if you kind of separate it a little bit, just enough where it's, oh, no, we're talking about fluffy and and um, snuffy, uh, the bunnies, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's easier for them to get the message when it's not about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> doing things at home that require teamwork, so cooking, putting together, you know, some furniture that arrived in a box at your front porch, things like that. And then lastly, talking about friendships. So what makes a good friend and what doesn't make a good friend? We talked about this before. Sometimes it's uh, maybe not best practice to say, you can't play with this person anymore. And then they go to school and they, you know, and then it gets gets messy because then the other parents are like, I heard that you said that my child can play, you know, it gets uh, it gets kind of tricky. So talking about what makes a good friend and making good choices on who we spend our time with um, could be more productive and, and helpful for later in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are all so good. And, you know, the first one that you had mentioned, I think is, I, I want to go back and highlight that because, you know, you had mentioned like playing nicely with other parents and, and mm -hmm. you know, kind of in air quotes, right? But I think this is so important because we might not think our kids are listening, but if you're on the phone and you're just like, you know, going on and on about your neighbor who's, you know, did so-and-so, did this and that, right? Like your kids are listening. Yes. <laughs> so I felt Absolutely. like I just wanted to bring that back up because it's, it. I, I have realized this as a parent, not that I go around, you know, bad-mouthing everyone, right? But like, I have to be very careful of what I'm saying now around my kids because 
they will repeat it. So mm-hmm. um, not so not you know obviously they'll repeat it, but then also you know what are you modeling if you're if you're doing that? So yeah, yeah, that one's so important. Okay, so moving through to our elementary kiddos, so picking up on your child's social cues and calling them out. So this one is about you know pointing out any incongru- incongruencies between behavior and words. And so sometimes kids they they aren't able to pick this up. So maybe we have to be very explicit about it, and we might say like, "Well, you're saying you're not mad, but your arms are crossed and you're stomping your feet." You know, hmm, something's. These don't line up, right? Or maybe about a friend. Well, you know, he said he's not upset that you took his toy, but he's crying. So maybe there's an incongruency there, you know? So really helping kids kind of pick up on some of those social cues and then just being aware that sometimes things aren't as they seem, right? So they might be saying something, but their their actions are, are showing d- differently. Yeah. 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 And also along with this, you know, teaching kids that there might be more going on below the surface. So I feel like this kind of goes along with that first one where we, we say this a lot when it comes to bullying too, right? So like, we don't really know what's going on with that child in particular. So maybe there's a little bit more that's going on or things that have led up to certain behaviors. And so it's helpful just to help kids understand that so they can just be more um, you know, be able to take someone else's perspective and foster a good relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And another one, you know, having play dates and then prepping for it ahead of time. A lot of families, it, it, you know, we really do have to help kids prep for a play date when it comes to things like conflict resolution. And elementary school, and you and I have talked a lot about this. This is when, because you've got a couple of there, right? So this is when kids start to figure out that um, conflict happens and you're not always going to agree. So so I feel like this would be a really good one to say, okay, before the play date, how are we going to, you know, how are we going to resolve a conflict if it comes up? So yeah, Never. I think those could be a few helpful tips for our elementary kiddos. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. All right, let's get into teens. And then we're going to, we've got one more to do. I know we've got, we packed a lot into this one. So. Yeah, we did. <laughs> get through it. <laughs> Yeah. So teens talking about first impressions, things that are important, right? So smiling, how are people uh, receiving you? How do you want people to receive you? So being kind of aware of that. Um, Discussing peer pressure. So discussing different scenarios and kind of consequences involved. Maybe even rehearse with your teens um, what to say to peers so they feel more confident going into a situation, a social situation down the road. Um, also discussing respectful online behavior. So you had mentioned earlier, cyberbullying, right? Mm-hmm. Also yeah. not going along with the crowd, talking about screen time and just, you know, monitoring that. And this concept of online friends are not always the same as friends in person. And mm-hmm. so that's something to to just remind yeah. kids of or teens. Um, using interests as a jumping off point for building new relationships with with other people, people that have similar uh, interests that that they do. So whether it's sports, religious groups, maybe it's the chess club, it's Special Olympics, just helping them expand their social network with kids that uh, like to do the same things that they do. Mm-hmm. That's one of the easiest ways to make friends. Yes. And then lastly, uh, discuss do's and don'ts about relationships. So respect, kindness. How do we support one another? We can dive into possible dating topics. Um, yeah. <laughs> this Which, came up earlier too, but just a reminder, don't get discouraged if they don't want to talk about it, don't want to share. Mm-hmm. Um, just let yes. them know that having the open you're, or showing them and, and communicating that the door is open um, is very important. It definitely sets the stage for when they're ready to come uh-huh. to you later. Yes. Yeah. I think that's so important to just don't get discouraged. Don't take it personally. And they will come back around. <laughs> right. I hear from yeah. parents all the time to say like, he did it. He came back around. <laughs> He's going to talk to me again. So totally so in there <laughs> with those teenagers and those hormones. <laughs> All right. So moving on to our last one here, responsible decision making. And oh, is this one a big one? <laughs> that applies to all age groups. And really, this is the ability to make constructive choices about personal behavior and social interaction interactions based on ethical standards and safety concerns and and really social norms so it's a realistic evaluation of consequences of various actions so really actions have consequences and understanding those 
and then also being able to consider the well-being of themselves and then also of others. So like the rest of them, there's a lot jam-packed into that, but we can certainly start teaching some of these skills with our little ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some ways that we can do that for the preschoolers, allowing choices. We talk a lot about this, but I think it's really important for the little ones to start showing them that they can have some agency, right? They can have some choice and and again, this can really help reduce challenging behaviors, which we've talked about before. So um, definitely start infusing choice making into your day with your little ones. And then teaching kids, well, when can they get help? Where can they get help? I think that's so important for the younger ones. So if I get lost, who do I go to, right? If I get in a fight with a friend, who do I go to? So we can start really helping with some of those um, actions and consequences, starting to teach them just where can they get help? And then, oh, a a good one here showing unconditional love (laughs) despite poor choices, right? So we all make mistakes. It's okay we made mistakes. And we have to also understand mistakes are going to happen. That's that's just natural in development. So showing unconditional love either way. And then maybe teaching how different rules apply based on context. So this kind of goes a little bit more into social awareness too, but maybe showing like, okay, I have a quiet voice when mom's on a conference call, but I can have a loud and cheerful voice and maybe screaming voice when I'm outside playing. So Mm -hmm. again, just kind of breaking it up for kids a little bit. And then finally, teaching consequences. (laughs) So we talk a lot about actions have consequences. And so for our little ones, we want to help them understand that, well, things like natural consequences happen, right? You didn't want to wear your jacket. It's freezing outside. You get out there and, and you're so cold. And that's a natural consequence. So I think for our little ones, we can start to talk a little bit a little bit about consequences and help them understand how they happen and, and that they're there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that segues really nicely into elementary too. So oh, yes. along with that, mm-hmm. you getting getting kids involved in decision making, right? So we're going right. to the park. What do you think you should wear? Yeah. What kind of shoes? Oh, we're going to that that park with all the wood chips. You know, so what kind of shoes do you yes. think? <laughs> sandals. Don't wear right. sandals. <laughs> right. Or go up there and see what the weather is like. And you make a choice on whether you should bring a jacket or not. Right. Um, and then, you know, they will be dealing with the natural consequences, right? Was so that, that yeah. really helps them start to think about making good decisions. Walk with them through how you make decisions. Model, oh, I love that one. Yeah. What is yeah. your thought process? What's the, the process you go through to make decisions, especially when those are hard decisions? Okay. Um, talking about making amends. So what does that look like? If you break someone's toy, what do we do? Are we writing an right. apology note? Are we buying a new toy with your allowance? Are we offering mm-hmm. to fix it? So those sort of yeah. decisions. Um, pointing out when your child is making good decisions. So that positive reinforcement. Say, hey, you know what? I noticed you, you made a good choice there. Um, I really, you know, I wanted you to know I noticed that. Great job making a, you know, a smart decision around that. And then even teaching environmental responsibility. How are we making decisions about our earth, right? Are we recycling? Are we, yeah. Um, yeah. Are we picking up our trash and those sort of things? So yeah, that rounds out yeah. our elementary age. Yeah. So good. A few others here, um, moving on to our teens, just a few more tips for you all, and then we'll round it out. Um, I think this one's so important for our teens and this one comes up a lot in my parent consultations, but you don't always have to stick with the original plan, right? So you don't always have to stick with the way that maybe you think it's best to go. If your teen comes to you and has found a different way to do it, right? Oh, hey, mom, it's more efficient for me to do it this way. We might say, great. (laughs) I love that. You know, give it a go instead of saying, no, actually, I find it more efficient this way, right? And, And you as the parent trying to stick to your guns, I think, Again, this shows your teen, hey, oh, wow, I do value your opinion. I'm going to let you do it your way and let's see how that goes. So I think that one could be so important. Absolutely. A couple others, just discussing safe choices for your child's body, really having those open conversations. And along with that, involving your child in the family decisions. This one's so important for teens, right? Because they want to be a part of the family. They want to be able to make some of those decisions. So if if you have to move away for your job, for example, or you have this big, big vacation planned, right? Like, let's just bring them into the fold when you're making these big decisions. And that can go a really long way. Yeah, absolutely. And then just a couple others. Reinforcing an independent decision making. This one we should just like highlight because, you know, we say like, 
reinforce the behaviors you want to see continue. And I think it's so important if kids are being independent, they're being independent thinkers, they're making good decisions on their own. Let's give that a lot, right? A lot of praise and a lot of attention. Okay. And then finally, discussing accountability. So what does that mean? How do you hold yourself accountable? Um, how do we how do we understand why accountability is important? And and really, and this one we could probably go on all, we could probably do a new podcast episode yeah. on this one because this one comes up a lot. Um, but we can't just blame everybody else if something goes wrong, right? So you have to take ownership. You have to hold yourself accountable. And so as a te- teaching our teens to really do that and what does that look like? Absolutely. I think yeah. it's a perfect one to end on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so, um, all right. Let's um just take just a couple seconds here. Let's do a recap kind of ping pong style. You know, here are a couple reminders to think about. So number one, have I had meaningful conversations and actively listen? Right. And next, am I modeling appropriate behavior for my kids? Am I thinking about the impression that I'm giving others? Mm-hmm. Am I taking the time to consider other people's perspectives? And am I evaluating my behavior in my relationships? Mm-hmm. Yes. And do I follow through and hold myself accountable? So a big <laughs> one there. <laughs> yep. Am I taking a minute to reflect on when I'm feeling overwhelmed? And do I think about my decisions and the consequences of my behaviors? And then last question to ask ourselves as parents, am I allowing my child to make some of their own decisions? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one to end on. <laughs> yeah. That one's so important. All right. Well, I know we jam-packed a lot into that one. Um, hopefully, it was really helpful for all of you. You might have to go back and listen to it a couple times for all those tips in there. But we want to thank you for joining us on our 32nd episode of Behaviorally Speaking. On our next episode, we will cover special education topics and we will have two guests join in. So be sure to tune into that. And until then, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You've been listening to Behaviorally Speaking with Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi, brought to you by Rethink Care. Find out more at RethinkCare.com. You can find past podcast episodes under the resources tab. We also invite you to subscribe, follow, like, and leave us feedback wherever you listen to podcasts. Your feedback helps us prepare topics and content for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day.